I'm your host, Annie Bowles, and this is News Du Jour. Hey, you guys, and welcome back to the news du jour, a calmer space to consume the news. So I have to admit, today is going to be a heavier episode. I just wanted to forewarn you guys of that. We are going to spend the vast majority of today's episode on one subject, although we will circle back to Israel and Gaza towards the end of the episode. Today, we're going to talk about what's going on in the Democratic Republic of Congo And before we do that, we have one mini story that is completely unrelated, but let's go ahead and jump in. So first and foremost, our mini story. I want to let you guys know that Tim Scott has suspended his presidential campaign. He used similar phrasing to that of former Vice President Mike Pence in just saying that he, based on the voters, is saying it's not his time. He recently had his girlfriend join him on stage, though, for the first time. And I thought that was very interesting that he did that right at the end, almost like a test run for future campaigns to see how people would react to her being a part of his campaign. So I thought that was very interesting. And it hints that we may see more of him in the future. So I'll definitely keep you guys posted if he's running for anything new. And then, like I said, we're going to spend the vast majority of today's episode on what's going on in the DRC. So I wanted to give you guys a heads up. This story involves mass murder, and it also involves a lot of other historically weighty things such as, you know, slave trade, colonization, genocides. It is a very loaded subject matter. And that is why we are going to spend so much time breaking this down. Let's jump in. So the situation unfolding in the Democratic Republic of Congo, it is complicated, you guys, and it is ripe with historical weight, along with overlapping modern interests. So we're going to break all of this down. You see, it's really important to understand that the DRC is a land overflowing with natural resources. In 1908, the Belgians colonized this area and it was known as the Belgian Congo until it gained independence in 1960-1964, according to Britannica. If you've ever heard of Belgian chocolate, let me tell you a little secret. They don't actually grow chocolate trees in Belgium. It's not exactly the right climate for it. I actually grew up partially in Belgium. I don't know if you guys knew this about me already, but in case you didn't, um, there's a lot of new listeners here. I 
was born in D.C. where my parents met working on Capitol Hill. And then my dad got a job doing practicing international law in Brussels. And so we moved to have my dad manage the branch of a, an American law firm, but in Belgium. So we, you know, obviously I went to an international school um, and I know a thing or two about Belgium. I've toured some t- chocolate factories in my day. Um, and long story short, Belgium was effectively stealing chocolate from the Congo until it was colonized, you know, while it was colonized. And that's how Belgians began producing chocolate in the first place. And that's how they earned their reputation for excellence in quality of their chocolate. It was coming straight from their colonized territories. Even now, we know that the slave trade is intricately intertwined with chocolate growing and harvesting, and that is done in the DRC. But even more than that, other natural resources that are rare and precious are diamonds. If you've ever heard of blood diamonds, think of the DRC. And minerals such as cobalt and copper, they play a huge role in technology like iPhones and laptops and electric cars. And It's also valuable land in the Congo in terms of agriculture and hydropower and biodiversity and more. This is a rich, lush rainforest ripe with luxuries that the Western world wants from chocolate and diamonds to iPhones and electric cars. There is a lot at play here. But the DRC has struggled with its leadership. This is no secret. It has undergone a lot of conflict and it shares a border with a country called Rwanda. You guys may remember the country Rwanda because it saw genocide in the 90s that left at least 1.5 million people murdered, according to the Human Rights Watch. The two main groups in the Rwandan genocide were the Hutu and the Tutsi. The Hutu were killing the Tutsi indiscriminately and without sugarcoating as to their reasoning. Like with other genocides, they were not trying to hide their intentions. They made it perfectly clear that their intention was to kill everyone of this specific race. They hunted people down and made a genuine effort to kill every Tutsi in the country. The bloodshed finally became came to an end in 1994 when, quote, the Rwandan Patriotic Front took control of the presidential palace, end quote, according to the Canadian Veterans Affairs. The world did its best to hold the perpetrators of this genocide accountable, holding trials and hearings and jailing people, but some managed to escape into neighboring Congo when over one million people were displaced into the country. And that is what's causing the conflict that we're seeing here today, at least partially. You see, without going into detail about all the waves and waves of conflict that have happened between the 1990s and today, suffice it to say, the Hutu rebels, as well as an armed militia called M23, as as well as Islamic militant groups like ISIL, and literally along with hundreds, about 250 smaller rebel groups, these groups are violently 
taking over different areas of the DRC right now, killing civilians as they go. It is absolutely mayhem, you guys. It is completely chaotic. They are basically staking claims to smaller areas within the country and killing anyone who opposes them. It is approximated by experts for the BBC that at least nine people are being killed in the country daily and not militants. Nine civilians are being killed by these rebel groups every day. And about 6.9 million people have been displaced across the country. People are currently accusing the Western press of basically suppressing this story due to the fact that these, you know, natural resources are at play here. Basically saying because the U.S. doesn't want to stop selling iPhones and diamonds, they are turning a blind eye to this slaughter and to this enormous refugee crisis. Now, What I want you guys to understand is that I have had a really hard time putting together this story and finding basically reliable sources. Of course, you can head to TikTok and hear anybody's, you know, sort of thrown together theories on this subject. But at the end of the day, I have to say it was difficult to find a summary of what's going on done by Western outlets. So that should tell you something. And I do think that this isn't making headlines the way that it should be. A great primer for understanding this conflict might be watching Hotel Rwanda. Although it is a Hollywood, you know, dramatized version of this conflict, it still lays a foundational understanding of what the nation of Rwanda has been through and how it is now spilled over to the DRC. Additionally, a Dutch documentary called The The Dark Side of Chocolate, although it does not take place specifically in the DRC, it gives you a sense of how the chocolate industry in Africa operates off of slave, slave labor and how the West basically profits off of that slave labor. Both of these films are incredibly dark, and while I believe they are incredibly important to watch, I also caution you to be prepared for an emotionally strenuous watch. Bring a box of tissues, a cup of tea, but if you're open to it, these films can genuinely expand your understanding of exactly how privileged and safe we are here in the U.S. and what other people in this world are up against. Okay, guys, thanks for hanging in there on like a long story that I feel like, you know, it's so hard to summarize some of these like really layered, uh, you know, very complex international issues. I hope that gave you guys like a framework to understand what's going on. If you have any specific questions, let me know. And also, if anyone out there listening has documentary recommendations or any sort of um, resources for better understanding this conflict, please send them my way. All of my contact info is in the show notes, but you can also always message me on social media, whatever is easiest for you. But all of the contact info is in the show notes. Without further ado, though, we will head over to Israel and Gaza, and I want to issue a content warning for this story as well. This story involves war. So I wanted to start off with the school shootings that we have seen in Canada. 
According to Reuters, there have now been three times in the past week where bullets have been fired at Jewish schools in Canada. This basically seems to be, you know, escalating tensions and to a move to intimidate the Jewish community in Canada. There hasn't been anyone harmed by these bullets, but I think schools being shot up is obviously someone trying to intimidate this community. And they've been shot up in different areas of Canada, too, which I thought was interesting. In Toronto, the crimes against both Jews and Muslims have more than doubled compared to 2022 in the same time since October the 7th. I also want to let you guys know that in France over the weekend, over 100,000 people marched over the growing rate of anti-Semitism worldwide. And as we know, there have been hundreds of thousands of people also protesting what's going on in Gaza. And so I'm hoping that these protests shared some people in common, that some people were rallying for both, you know, against anti-Semitism and against the harm that's being done in Gaza. That said, the Gaza humanitarian crisis, you guys, it is unfolding with the world watching. And I wanted to really dive into what's going on there as well today. So the Gaza hospital situation in particular is what we should keep an eye on right now. It is worsening, you guys. According to NPR sources, out of 35 hospitals in the Gaza Strip, 23 are now closed. And the place is still being bombed. So injured people have fewer and fewer places to go. But even those that remain open have absolutely dwindling supplies and resources. Think things like electricity and fuel. People are operating by iPhone light, you guys. Just think about that. Things like anesthetics are also running low, so a lot of surgeries are being done without them. What's additionally tragic is that Hamas has a lot of resources to supply things like this to save its people. As we know, the organization of Hamas is worth two to three billion dollars, according to Forbes magazine. So where are they spending that money? Well, it's not on saving or protecting its struggling citizens. But regardless over who should be saving the Palestinian people, they need our help. And the world is having massive bystander effect right now. It's like bystander effect on a global level. In case you're unfamiliar, bystander effect is basically where people who are looking on while a crime is being committed kind of end up freezing and failing to take action. They justify this by either rationalizing that it's none of their business or someone else might, you know, already be calling the police or even going into shock themselves. And I think that's what so many countries and institutions are experiencing right now. They're either afraid that jumping in might widen this conflict or that they themselves would be attacked or that they may even be telling themselves that they don't have the ability to make a real difference here or get in. Israel is in hot pursuit of their target, Hamas. They are trying to warn and evacuate citizens, but they're attesting that their targets are hiding amongst these civilians intentionally and specifically underneath them. 
And U.S. officials attest to this as well. They have said that for years throughout several different presidential administrations. The U.S. is advocating that humanitarian pauses happen and that aid and evacuations be made. But this doesn't lessen the effects on the people who are trapped in the middle of the fighting with nowhere to flee. Additionally, like we mentioned, Hamas either can't or won't help its own people right now. Aid groups like UNICEF, the International Committee of the Red Cross, Doctors Without Borders, and more are making their way into this area. But this is an active war zone, and thus it requires that these volunteers be willing to risk their own lives in order to help others. And you guys, the people who are doing that work are true heroes. I just wanted to say that I know this news is hard. I'm really proud of you for showing up today to learn about something that is so emotionally strenuous when you could be choosing to do something else. If you're feeling helpless right now and wanting a way to give back, get involved, and help support um, the people doing this important work, I really wanted to recommend making a donation to the International Committee of the Red Cross, who are doing important work in Gaza, but they're also helping to free the hostages, and they are helping with humanitarian crises world over. Just yesterday, we covered what's going on in Nepal with the earthquake there. The International Committee of the Red Cross is helping with that. So, They are a group doing massive amounts of important work. So I went ahead and linked them in our show notes, and they are the group that I've vetted the most and feel like is doing the best work across the spectrum. If you're not in a position to give right now, though, and are still feeling helpless, another way you can help is to help share this episode or share what you learned today with someone else who doesn't know about this conflict yet. Don't let what's going on happen in a vacuum. And that for today is the news du jour. Today, I wanted to leave you guys with the quote, the bond of our shared humanity is stronger than the divisiveness of our fears and our prejudices. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on whatever podcast platform you use to listen. A rate and review on that platform or a shout out on social media would mean the world to us and help us to be able to keep creating the news du jour and reach more people who need a calmer space to consume the news. But the best way to support all of our work is to become a patron at www.patreon.com forward slash sugar free media and that is also linked in our show notes you can follow us on social media at news du jour dot podcast on both instagram and tiktok you can follow my personal account at it's annie bowls on both platforms as well any little noises you may hear in the background are my rescue pup he has a little separation anxiety and always records with me We appreciate you listening and look forward to telling you about the news again next time on News Du Jour. Broadcasting from... Uh